My mentors once said that good music can cover up a bad sermon any day. And I tell you, that was beautiful. Thank you all so much. Thank you all for sharing that with us, for practicing on a holiday week and weekend being with us. We appreciate you three for leading us in worship this morning. We're going to be going to James chapter 3 together, the second half of the chapter. Um, We're going to be starting towards the end. We are going to be at verse 13. Um, That song was perfect for this series on James as we've been encountering together what it means to to feel the conviction of old St. James, to feel the sting of his words on our lives. And um, he's been bringing the heat, has he not? Let's hear some more of it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I I believe that worship should be a place where we experience rest and peace. I've experienced that so far this morning. I pray the same for you. This music has has kind of ushered us into a, a calming place, a place that I hope is not filled with anxiety or stress or worry about whatever is next or whatever comes when we leave here, but a, a recognition of this moment being holy, this moment being a place where, where there's nothing in the world that can speak to us right now. Our cell phones are not buzzing. They're not, we're not trying to get distracted by social media. We are present, and, and I appreciate very much us being in that place because James this book, if we're to take it seriously, it requires that sense of, of really paying attention, does it not? Um, because it doesn't focus on the narrative story like the Old Testament stories, and it's not as uplifting as some of Paul's letters. Remember, James, he, he was a Jewish man who was the brother of Jesus. He was writing to a mostly Jewish audience, those who had recently converted from Judaism to Christianity, or those who might even still be Jewish in some respects. Um, and he's speaking to the core of our being. Often James gets misused thinking about just morality, right and wrong, as kind of like a rule book, but it's deeper than that. James is really cutting at the heart of who we are. He's dealing with our true selves and not just simple matters of right and wrong. Remember in James 1, he said, do not be prone to anger. Don't be quick to get angry. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. He said, if your religion is not about helping those who are vulnerable, about helping those who need help, your religion's worthless. Like we just heard, we're going through the motions. We're caught up in the rituals. We we come as we say, sorry, Lord, um, because it's just been another song. James says, don't make it just another song. In chapter two, he goes on to say, faith without works is dead. And last week, we talked about how Paul and James complete one another, not compete with one another. Ooh, I didn't use that rhyme last week, but I should have. That was clever. 
Um, I didn't even write that in my notes. It just came out. So, so we recognize, though, that the scriptures, they hold tensions, but we don't side with one over the other. Sometimes you read one part and it seems to discredit the other, but actually when Paul says you're saved by faith, not by works, and James says, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works, they coexist. Faith without works is, is not a true, alive faith. He spurs us to make sure that we're not just believing nice things. And today, we're really gonna get into talking about ourselves. Today, James talks about some of the, the deepest truths about us. And in a podcast we did as a follow-up to the first week, because we didn't have the sermon material on the audio, on the podcast in the first week, we did this little cool follow-up. It's on our live stream, our podcast stream. You can go check it out. Um, but we were sitting around the table talking about James 1, and William Terry said, you know, that, that James makes us strip everything away and examine our true selves completely as we are, at the core of our being. Whenever we do self-examination, according to how James makes us think about our lives, you can't hide. You can't pretend to be something you're not whenever you're looking inward and you have nobody to blame for some of your faults other than yourself and some of the decisions that we make. And today's text causes us to do that once again, to look inward at our true self and realize a very fascinating truth. And that is that, that we are what we desire. That is the subject of our sermon this morning. We are what we desire. And as we think about these verses together, I want us to think about them in three ways, three things that relate to these texts from James. The first is this concept called mimetic desires. And we're gonna watch a video that helps us understand what that means. But to discover where does desire come from? Where do, why do we desire what we desire? The second thing we'll discuss is how James understands the difference between earthly desires and heavenly desires, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, as we just read about. And the last thing is how James and others in the New Testament talk about imitation. What does it mean to imitate? Why should we imitate? And so um, that's our direction. James continues to offer us a lot of weight, um, but we're gonna do our best with it, all right? And I hope that you're reading along with us. So will you pray with me as we get started? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So I wanna start, um, we're gonna be using the screen a little more this morning than I normally do. And I wanna show you my new favorite twi uh, Instagram thread. My new favorite Insta thread is called Preachers and Sneakers. I don't know if you've seen it yet, um, but you should follow it because it's really funny. Um, but, but so what this guy does, he's getting lots of shade about it. He's getting lots of shade from people. Am, am I in the way? Can you see around me? Am I good? All right. No, I'm not. You can't see around me. Okay, we're good. All right. So, so he, he just finds pictures of preachers at conferences or preaching, and, and, he, and he looks on like these trading websites about how expensive their clothing is. And it's super shade, right? It's just kind of rude, but, but he's just calling people out. And so some of these preachers are wearing like these $2,400 $2, for a pair of sneakers. I cannot imagine spending $2,400 on anything, let alone sneakers. So go to the next, we got like four of these, just a couple of like, so the t-shirt, you know, is like in the, the threads, like mixing up the, the Louis and the Versace with the, with the $900 Versace tee and the $2,000 boots. Um, the next one is, is kind of similar. It's Stephen Furtick wearing this jacket, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know $925, $750 shoes. And then the last one's just Crowder, you know, David Crowder. He's not a preacher, but he's got some awesome kicks if you're willing to pay $3,500 for him. Um, and so this is a new thread. I just found it online. And the reason why I show you this is not to just, you can, yeah, it's not to just like dog these preachers. They're awesome. I listen to some of their sermons. They're great. But I had no idea 
that I was supposed to be spending that much money on my clothing. They might have been. They, so, all right, if they're gifts, where are you at, people? I'm still going to TJ Maxx, I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I, I use that for two reasons, two reasons. Not to be mean or to throw, to throw shade at these preachers. I do think that they're doing God's work and they're probably doing wonderful things and your clothing does not define who you are unless you let it, unless you, you do. And, and so the James actually stars. This is the part we're skipping over. We're not gonna do the first half of James. But if we were, it begins like this. Have you heard this line? Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So... These preachers, I just think, you know, like James says, we, we hold ourselves to a higher standard, and if we're gonna be talking about giving and stuff like that, we should be considerate about, you know, how we think about how we spend money. But more importantly, though, I mean, he talks a lot about taming of the tongue and other things in that section, but it sets up our conversation um, because this into thread works as we think about what it means to desire what others desire. Fashion um, is a product of us desiring what other people desire. And not even preachers, those who are supposed to be more wise of ways of spirituality or whatever it is you want to say that we do, um, not even we are able to escape our humanity. Um, and that, that we too, every one of us, all human beings, fall into this reality that, that we desire. Um, we are what we desire. We are what we desire. And what we desire are what other people desire. And to help explain that, that's the, called mimetic desire. And we're gonna watch this quick two-minute video, okay? Give, give Cindy just a second, because it's a YouTube, and so we had to change the screens. So. so now you're all modern philosophers. Congratulations. You know, you can drop that at a party. But yeah, I know philosophy of Rene Girard, you know, MBD. But um, we as humans are constantly desiring what other people desire. Most of who we are is an imitation of what we have seen. And some people don't love this concept. I have had plenty of pushback whenever we have conversations, whenever I have conversations with some friends. And, um, and so I'm not saying you have to, this has to be widely accepted, everybody has to agree. My goal is not to make you think just like me, but to present other ways of thinking about life and reality. Some people don't love the idea that originality might be a little overrated or that we're not all unique snowflakes, that we have some things in common Sometimes the desire to be unique is a desire we saw from somebody who was unique. Um, but rather, I just want us to think about how this might play out in our lives in some ways and how it affects the decisions we make. I mean, think about it. Have you ever seen what somebody else orders at a restaurant? I mean, like, ooh, that looks good. I want that. Or have you ever um, bought something because somebody else bought it or liked something on Facebook because there were lots of likes? Facebook algorithms work on popularity. So does Spotify. Marketers have figured out that this desiring thing is pretty real. The most popular songs on Spotify aren't the best music. Trust me, have you listened to the top 50? I'm just saying. There's some songs in there that I'm like, that song's not great. But it's the most popular and getting lots of plays because other people like it, so we're supposed to like it too. Have you ever wanted to go to a prestigious college? What makes it prestigious? Because other people have said that it is. Have you ever wanted a certain career because it's highlighted as, by society as being one of the best careers? Because society said that it is. We desire that thing. We want to be fit like somebody else is fit. We want to live in a certain neighborhood because it is a desirable neighborhood. I mean, this is how marketing and this is how being able to think about 
things that, that attract others works. And it's not necessarily bad until we let it rule our lives in a way that is unhealthy. This is mimetic desire. And whereas there is a uniqueness a little bit to each of us, none of us have the same body as the other person. Incarnation matters. Jesus, Christ became the human Jesus, and Jesus is the only Jesus. Also, we cannot all have the combination of experiences. None of you have had my experiences. That's what makes me, me, and you, you. Yet there's a commonality to us that is a mirroring of the other people that we've seen. So what does all this have to do with James? All right, we've talked a lot about some weird things already. But what does this have to do with James? Well, think about this. As we get back to our text, I think James is trying to articulate a very similar thing this morning. He realizes that we are a reflection of the world around us, that we desire what other people desire. This is why he says in chapter one, to keep yourself unstained by the world. And by world, James does not mean, you know, just the morality, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He's talking about the realities that are contrary to the kingdom, selfishness that we'll talk about. In chapter two, he says to, to work against favoritism based on the way culture deems people important. Don't praise people just because they're supposed to be better than everybody else. And in chapter four, which is for two weeks from now, but we're not gonna speak on this part. I wanted to use it today because it fits so perfectly. I mean, just hear this. It's gonna be on the screen behind me, but, but listen to this part from chapter four. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you, do, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spread what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scriptures say without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? James sees this reality that the worst parts of us come from desiring the things that the world desires or that the world considers as good. This is one of the main pieces where James gets very intense, right? This is where we say we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Not that we condemn others, not that we judge others for who, any reason about who they are, but that we realize that there's something within all of us that causes us to be not holy. And that comes from our desires. This is how James understands the difference between living according to earthly, worldly things and having heavenly wisdom. Worldly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. He sees that if our lives are a collection of our experiences, and if those experiences are all about gratification of selfish ambition, that's what he called it, selfish ambition. Not self-ambition, not trying to better yourself, but selfish. Where you promote yourself other other people, over other people. Then we are of the world and not of God. If we desire what others desire, and want money and notoriety and fame and power and other things that are considered worldly, then we are not righteous and our wisdom does not come from heaven. For James, worldly living, worldly wisdom is anything that is born out of that selfishness, that selfish desire. He said it leads to envy. And how true is that? Think about your own life. When we spend our lives wanting what somebody else has, are we ever truly happy, even when we get it? 
When we spend our lives wishing we had a bigger house like the people down the street, when we spend our lives wishing that we had a new job that had more money, are we ever truly happy when we live in that place of desiring things that are not of the kingdom? How many times have you gotten the thing that you so much desired and that it ended up being completely, as James said, worthless in chapter one? Worthless. We struggle to get these things that we think we want and then they do not satisfy us because they are not of God's heavenly wisdom. So what do we do instead? With, instead of living a life full of envy, a life full of selfishness, a life that leads to chaos and disorder, as he just said, chaos and disorder, how do we keep ourselves off this path to ruin? Well, James has an answer for that. So does the rest of the New Testament. He says that wisdom comes from heaven and it looks like this. It's peace and love. It's peaceable and it's full of love. It is considerate. You think of others first. It's full of mercy, it's impartial, and it's sincere. Heavenly wisdom are the qualities of a person that, that are full, they're just like Christ, actually. He says, he describes this perfect kind of, per, he describes Jesus. He says, you know what, maybe, maybe we will be a reflection of the world around us. Maybe we will reflect the things that, that we see. Maybe we will desire what we see in others but let's make sure we're picking the right person to imitate. Let's make sure that, that we actually act like somebody of the kingdom. And James is not alone in this, is he? Have you read the rest of the New Testament? We're gonna go through some verses real fast, all right? We're gonna have them on the screen behind me, but I read real quickly, okay? From 1 Peter, he says, um, to this you have been called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Wait, did you hear that? Selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. From 2 Corinthians, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord. From the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. From 1 Corinthians, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. From 1 John, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And finally from Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ Jesus forgave you. James is just echoing the rest of the voices. He's saying, hey, there's lots of people you can be like. You can be like the successful entrepreneur down the street that's got everything figured out, but will it make you happy? You can be like the people who, have, who, who seem to have everything going their way, but do they really? I mean, do you really know what's going on in their lives? Sure, we might have a propensity as humans to desire what other people desire and to be shaped by those desires, but how about we all hone in and desire what Christ desires, and if we're gonna imitate anybody, if we're gonna be like anybody on Instagram, 
Facebook or the news. Let's actually choose somebody to imitate that can help us transform our lives for good and help us transform this world for righteousness sake. Let's imitate Christ. And that's our word this morning. There are some things about ourselves we can't escape. There might be some realities, you know, that that drive us to act a certain way, but we have the free will to choose. We can choose good, we can choose less than good. We can choose to be like anybody else. Sometimes subconsciously we do it, sometimes it's intentional. But I pray that we will be a people who use the free will God has given us to be holy as Christ is holy, to imitate Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.